You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. This is East Carolina All-American Brian Packard, and we're talking Pirate Baseball and the Sports Objective. You're listening to Extra Innings, presented by Next Level Training Center on the Sports Objective. Join us every Sunday night on Facebook Live and our YouTube channel as we talk East Carolina baseball. As we look back at the previous week and take a look at what's ahead. Now, let's talk Pirate Baseball. Welcome in to Extra Innings right here on the Sports Objective, presented by Next Level Training Center. Just go to nextleveltc.com. You can give them a call, 252-756-NEXT, or something, something. You can actually go to the Facebook page as well, their social media. Let's bring in Kyle from LaGrange Barber. Hello. Uh, hello. Uh, what's going on, Hi. Dave? Uh, Here for a second, I thought we had Corey on the show. Hello. Yeah, that was my hello. That's why I did that. <laughs> we were yeah. Corey, Corey. Yeah. I, uh, what's going on, guys? Uh, Feel like crap, but I'll push through because I'm tough as snuff and ain't half as dusty. But uh, what's going on, Bubba? Uh, fired up to talk about a five and zero week. Um, Pirates, uh, needless to say, on Tuesday night made it uh, very interesting, too interesting. And uh, I was like, if we don't find a way to come back and win this game, uh, I'm not going to feel like coming back to watch the Cannonballers at Atrium Health Ballpark. <laughs> But uh, even though that obviously has nothing to do with with our game, there just just uh, I was like, wow, uh, you know, we we were no hit, I mean, perfect game for Daniel Bagwell, the Queen starter, through three innings, and had just four hits through seven, and really, I mean, we had pitched pretty well, and uh, we hadn't committed an error. Um, just the bats had been very quiet, and uh, you know, hats off to Bagwell and going eighty. Eight and two thirds is his first start of the season. Although I think it was his sixth or seventh appearance, and uh, I think four out of our eight hits against him came there late when he was running on fumes, and still had found a way. I think it was in the sixth and the eighth to wiggle out uh, of some jams. So where one time uh, two runners on with two outs, and then two runners. On the starting inning there in the eighth, but 129 pitches for the Queens right hander. No doubt, in fact, it was crazy. I mean, he only had what was it, guys? Two days rest, um, something like that. It was it was nuts. Uh, but anyway, the most important thing is, Bubba, you went home happy. You got you got your money's worth with a Queens game. I'm just saying, it was so expensive. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> but the, the main main thing is, um, the Pirates found a way to get it done, and uh, nine of our thirteen hits came there in the uh, the eighth, ninth, and tenth innings. We had five in the top of the tenth, and uh, and re really, uh, once we got to the bullpen, um, that, that's obviously the reason. In addition to, I mean, his effectiveness. Uh, why they left Bagwell in so long because their bullpen had been uh, pretty poor. He clearly pitched the game of his career. He was logged in. He wanted to beat the Pirates' top 25 team. It was their – it would hate to sound like an NC State fan. It was their Super Bowl, and, and he pitched like it. He had pitched the game of a lifetime. 
And, uh, you know, I actually, I'm, I'm of the belief that playing close games in the early season makes you a better baseball team, finding a way to win. Yep. And uh, I enjoyed that game. I, I was I, I was going to be sick to my stomach if we lost to Queens. But uh, I enjoyed the game probably. I, I, you know, it's fun to blow people out, but it's not exciting. Um, I, so the, the close games like that, I embrace them because they're exciting. Don't want to see a lot of them. I'd rather blow people out. But I enjoyed that game Tuesday night. And then it was funny Tuesday night because we got no audio because it's I kept yeah, thinking, I kept trying to sync the ESPN feed with the with the ninety four three audio on TuneIn apps. I'd, I'd pause the game and let the audio catch up, and it, it, I kept losing sync. I finally gave up on it and just watched it with no audio about the sixth inning. And um, so then the next day we had Elon, no video unless you went and paid for uh, Flow Sports, so yeah. no video, just audio the next night. And that's what's going to happen tomorrow for the War on the Shore. Because CAA, baseball, and basketball, the sports have a contract through push. Horrible. Horrible. But um, they got to give the ESPN Plus. $30 a month. Is it 30 a month? I thought it was $30 a month, but you can buy an individual event for $12, can't you? Somebody, somebody posted that. I don't know if that's accurate. I didn't know that. I only saw the monthly option. I would have thirty dollars a month is horrible. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah like um, Bubba, you're a huge East Carolina fan. If we were on Flow, I sports, am. You am. Would you? Would you do that? Would you get Flow Sports? Uh, I have in the past. I mean, he's asking if we were with Flow Sports, would you pay thirty dollars a month every month? Thirty dollars a month every month. Uh, Probably not. You know, I hate to say it, but because if we were in a situation where we were with flow, uh, we probably have a lot. If we were in the CAA steel, which God, thank God we're not. Um, let's say we were in there for football too, which would put us FCS. Yeah, I'd probably do it. Uh, if it was no football, um, I don't know. I'd have to think about it. Is there a yearly option where you can get a discount? You don't ESPN Plus. Much cheaper monthly, yeah. right? Anyway, but you can be cheaper. I, I, I mean, cheaper it, if you buy it for a year. I mean, you got you were saying that if it was for all three major sports, correct? Yeah, or or at least yeah, at least basketball and uh, you know, basketball, yeah. basketball and baseball. I I probably would and just cancel it when nothing was in season, I, like the then, summertime. Yeah, where you spent you know. You'd have it five or six months as opposed to to all twelve. But. Yeah, some. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm glad we're not with that, and I think the yeah. colonial needs to get out of that. <laughs> yeah, to, I was just wondering if y'all. I mean, y'all are like hardcore. So, what my point was, you know, we're a lot of the people watching the show and listening to the show are hardcore. Uh, fans. How many? How many? How many viewers do we have right now on YouTube and Facebook? Sure. Eight. Eight. Hey, we'll, we'll get those numbers up. Eight viewers. Tell your friends and family to turn us on. But I want to ask a question, and then we'll get back to, I guess we'll move on to the Elon game before we get into the weekend. But hey, I, we were talking before the show. Am I, According to the box score, I have a bad memory or I'm remembering something wrong. I know Amac hit two home runs in game one of the doubleheader from the right side. But in my mind, he hit a home run in the second game of the doubleheader from the left side. Is the box score wrong, or am I completely out of my ever-loving mind? 
I'm probably just out of my mind. Folks, I told Kyle that AMAC didn't even have a hit in, in game three. <laughs> well, it's either the weed or the chemo, one or the other. There you go. No drug testing, please. Um, I meant I meant dillweed. Okay, I got you. Hey, I want to give a shout out to our friends. Uh, we have Craig, we have Shell, we have Norm. Norm, hello. I want to say hello to all of them. They're the ones that are saying hello tonight on Facebook and also on YouTube. So hello to, to all of them. Yeah, appreciate everybody watching and, uh, you know. Now, since you brought up AMAC, Kyle, um, I wanted to go back to the Queens game and AMAC's big single um, in the six hole there in the top of the ninth. Pirates down to their final out. And uh, and AMAC stepped up big, uh, one of six hits for AMAC on the week. And uh, I know we'll talk more about his I – mean, he really had the best performance of any hitter, the only four-game – excuse me, four-hit game of, uh, of anyone last week. But, uh, you know, he came up big. And then, like I mentioned, three runs on five hits there in the top of the tenth. And then Wyatt Lunsford Shinkman, he was excellent in relief. We got a pretty good start from Garrett Saylor, went five innings. It was nice to see him uh, be effective. And then um, got some other solid relief efforts, um, including one from Eric Ritchie, freshman lefty. But then um, Wyatt Lunsford Shinkman came in three shutout innings where he did not surrender a hit. Yeah, I I, I don't remember the. Uh... Maybe I also had a bathroom break, but I swear I don't remember AMAC uh, hitting a home run. Um, but I had I had it on my phone and tablet on my um, iPad. Is anybody else saying they remember? <laughs> <laughs> it's crickets right now. Okay, well, I'm hey, the one. I just Norm, made that up in my head. Mark, and uh, give a shout out to Mark. Mark, Norm, Craig, Shell, do any of y'all remember the home run? I'm not, I'm going to go back now and watch game two on ESPN plus game three of the series game two of the doubleheader and see it was late in the game and see what, what in the world? I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm probably just misremembering. I do that a lot these days and it is, and it is for an all seriousness, a lot to do with chemo fog, but uh, I, 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 just, I remember it, but it didn't happen. So it's quite strange. Apparently. Yeah. One other aspect of that Queens game, unbelievable turnout by Pirate Nation there at Atrium Health Ballpark. 2,485 was the announced attendance the, the following night. Charlotte, obviously just you know, 10, 15 minutes down the road, and UNC Wilmington, they had 1,700. So we had right at 800 more than they did. And uh, the majority of those 2,485 were – were uh, pirates, I'd say. At least, I'd say at least half that. And uh, but um, yeah, it was a good draw by the pirate fans. We talked about this the other night after the yeah ladies basketball game. Um, yeah, just came back to it since uh, you know, since it was our weekly wrap up show, and, and it, you know if you haven't haven't already seen the video on our YouTube channel, there's a. Uh, a good video to show you exactly how loud Pirate fans were and how many were there because um, I know the ESPN Plus 
stream. Although at least they had one, did not have any volume. So that was the reason there during the 10th inning, I, I went down behind the plate and, and got some footage and wanted Pirate Nation to appreciate uh, what a large contingent we had there. But um, Yeah, you could see it on the TV. It showed up well. And the audio, if you if you turn on on the radio feed on TuneIn, you could hear them. But how was Stratton Burlington the next night? I know that was mostly Pirates also. Yeah, that one obviously a four o'clock start as opposed to a six o'clock start, so not about a third as many of people. But my dad was able to attend that one. I had planned on it, but had something come up at work that I could not get out of, and uh, so I think it was just shy of a thousand, and the majority of that, uh, you know, eight hundred and fifty or so, was uh, was pirate fans, as you might guess, uh, and. Got off to a fast start, unlike Tuesday's game against Queens. And Star had a home run in the first, and then we tacked on a couple more in the second. And uh, from there, did, didn't do a ton offensively, but did enough. And uh, tacked on a couple late and went on to the 5-1 to win. I mean, Jake Hunter got the start, and I went three and two-thirds. And it was uh, good to see Jake continue to pitch well in, in those uh, – Eight outs, he recorded six via strikeout. Hey, by the way, shout out, and we'll get right back to the games. We have with us on Facebook tonight, on Facebook Live, Ben Baby Byram. He retired from 94th for three the game on Friday uh, with Patrick Johnson as a producer. He uh, actually guest hosted, and I want to tell him thank you for uh, three great years there um, on my ride home. Um, you guys kept me company, so thank you so much, Ben Baby Byram, now at WITN. Uh, so he's working hard there at Channel 7, so I want to give him a shout-out tonight um, with us and appreciate his hard work, not only on the Patrick Johnson show, but, man, 500 hours, it seems like, for baseball games and all the football games, and he was there for uh, board hopping and producing those shows. So appreciate you, Ben. I uh, know a lot of uh, labor of love and Appreciate everything you did on the game. No, Dave, you, you mentioned Shell's question. Um, yep. Shell chiming in from Charlotte saying you know, he has a question, doesn't know if we necessarily have an answer, but a few games back in the post game, Coach Godwin said he told Lane Hoover that he doesn't have to look over his shoulder, that he'll be he'll be starting as long as he's the head coach here. And um, But it seems like Luke Nowak has that spot now. Well, I guess it was during that game against Queens, you had, I believe, who may have been pinch hit for in that one. But um, I know the following day, he was not in the starting lineup at Elon. And then, once again, was not in the starting lineup against against Liberty in game one. Did start, I want to say it was game three, and he came in as a reserve in the other two. But um, yeah, who you know, uncharacteristically ha- has struggled? I think he's something like two out of his last twenty. He's getting walked a lot though. Yeah, he has been on base. He has found a way to get on base, although uh, just those two hits. But I think it, like Cliff said, and uh, I'm sure he would tell you himself. I mean, he he'd been pressing um, since he had the clutch hit in that North Carolina game. And 
and then Cliff Godwin said, and I can't remember if it was after game one against Liberty, and one of the other members of the local media asked Cliff, and he just said that it's one of the hardest things he's had to do just because of how much who means to the program. And he said, he said he'll find a way to battle through it, and uh, he'll definitely uh, play a lot of meaningful baseball for us over this last two-thirds of the season. Yeah, three, I think it's three, a matter three quarters of quarters of the season, I should say. Yeah, I think it's a matter of guys where uh, we always talk about the, as you guys know, and the people, men and women listening to the show, know it's a marathon, not a sprint. And I think what has come down with Hoove is that I believe, I don't know if you guys, and I don't know how the listeners and viewers feel, but I truly believe that it, he's putting way too much pressure on himself. Um, he's trying way too hard. And I think when you do that, I think it's, coach has been doing a good thing by taking taking him out of the game uh, to kind of just get his mind mindset right because it just seems that's my thing i don't think that he's uh in other words it's not like he doesn't have talent the guy is well i mean he's proven he has talents as a career at east carolina yeah. but the thing about it is it's, it's a lot of baseball gets in between the ears but he doesn't need to press we have enough good players on this right. team we're not reliant on hoover and hopefully he sees that by sitting on the bench and you know we're winning and maybe that's what God was trying to show him is, you know, don't press so much. Look, we can win without you. So uh, just, just, just needs to go in there and play his game. Have and, fun. And, and, and uh, you know, if it is between the years, you know, he walks a lot, which is a good thing. Maybe he needs to be more aggressive at the plate. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think the same thing with Cooch Maynard. Uh, Cooch was another one that tried way too hard and way too in his head. I think at times in his career at East Carolina, and I, I think, think you're seeing a little bit of—I think you've seen a little bit of that at times with JJC this year. Uh, that that could be the case. Yeah, I could see. I see where you're going with that. Yeah, I mean, so you know, the the fact of the matter is, all these guys—I was telling you guys in the green room—I'm I'm I'm jacked up. I'm ready for this. This team is uh, is going to be really really good in June, as they should be. Um, the expectations, obviously, now we've, uh, I think Cliff has built a super regional program that's going to knock down that door. And and I know, Kyle, you always talk about it. When we do knock that down, down that door to Omaha, man, look out for anybody playing East Carolina. And in national media, we've had that from Mike Rooney, a whole bunch of people that have been on the show over the last five years that have said the same thing. So, Kyle, you're not alone. Yeah, they showed a stat. It was in one of the games this weekend. I don't know if, if, if either of you saw this. Bubba, were you at the games? No, I, I wasn't able to. Uh, okay, so you watch the ESPN feed also. Yeah. Did, did you see, um, are we the fourth winningest program in the NCAA in terms of winning percentage? I didn't see that graphic, but uh, it certainly certainly uh, sounds possible. I know, I know we rank very highly. I don't know. I didn't. Yeah, they posted being, that graphic. Yeah, if I remember right, it was fourth. You guys who are watching the game, that's watching us, where were we at? They posted the graphic where we were nationally winning percentage. It was top ten, but I believe it was top five. That's incredible to think we've never been to the College World Series yet. We're minimum top ten, maybe top five winning percentage in the NCAA. Well, you know, the, the stat that Bubba brought it to our attention uh, a few months ago was the fact that Stanford and East Carolina are the only – two programs in the country that have hosted the last four regionals. Super. Yeah. Was it supers or, or regionals? Regionals. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah, that's an incredible stat. Us and Stanford. I mean, that's uh, you know, you would you would think LSU, Mississippi State, somebody right. like that would be on that list, but uh, it's just us and the uh, the trees. Yeah, yeah. Dave, I know you wanted to get to Jr. and Johnny Robertson's question. Before I do that, so one other thing I had to mention about the Elon game. Uh, Zach Root um, had his longest career outing. Yeah. Five innings of shutout baseball, <clears throat> three hits, um, 64 pitches for the, the talented freshman lefty. Uh, so he continues to to sparkle, and I think what you he, he has an ERA of something like .57 or something. Oh my ridiculous. God. <laughs> yeah, it's something ridiculous. I knew it was. I knew he had a low ERA. I didn't know what was uh, that. I'll, I'll, I'll confirm. I'll confirm, and really, it's not all that important. But just out of curiosity, let's see. It is. He, he was incredible. Yeah, he um, yeah, point five seven two two and wow. oh, um, point wow. five seven ERA and in five appearances and one start, and he surrendered just eight hits and fifteen and two thirds. He's get that ERA down a little bit. I it's wanted to zero. Years. I wanted to zero. <laughs> well, I tell you one thing, guys. That. That kid is very special, and that's one of the things I was thinking about on the way home driving, thinking about this team, is that when you think about Zach Root, he's only a freshman. He's playing he's, – he's not even playing like a freshman. You know, and it's, early, it's still fairly early in the season compared to – it's not like it's June and he's battle-tested and he's been, you know, playing very well all season long. Hey, this guy has been really, really good. We heard about him. Uh, I guess it was fall ball or whatever, but – uh, great stuff there, and uh, he's the command. I mean, just everything has been going well for him. And my biggest thing, guys, is that we have the arms to make it to Omaha. I know people don't like to talk about it, but we really have. Uh, Cliff was right. Our our pitching is so deep this year. And and shout out to Austin Knight, guys. I don't know how you guys feel, but he's really done a nice job working with these pitchers and uh, really managed them extremely well. Don't you think? Yeah, he's doing a good job. He's uh did a good job last year, so a good job so far this year. So uh, props to Coach Knight. Yeah, really. Um, yeah, going back to last year, anyone that had any doubts, I mean, yeah, just because it was a a rough start to the season. Uh, yeah. Austin Knight and staff, um, they certainly. Or you know, any any questions that anybody had, which. Like Cliff said, I'm I'm in agreement with him. I mean, you know, Cliff Godwin's going to do what's in the best interest of East Carolina baseball, regardless of any type of friendship. I mean, if he if he was if he was on our staff to begin with, I mean, then um, that that said all that need to be said to me. And I mean, and as the season went on, um, the way we had to uh, have a TBA rotation, you never knew who was going to start yeah. when they yeah. might when they might start. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was extremely impressive, the way the staff managed that you know, very uh, undesirable situation. But 20-game uh, winning streak. I mean, you know, the pitching was horrible. It's kind of hard to win 20 in a row. But uh, right. talking talk about an excellent pitching performance um, this weekend against Liberty. You know, uh, that was – I mean, yeah, the bats were, were great. The, the defense was um, very good. Uh, but you take a look at it. East Carolina pitching versus Liberty pitching. The Pirates 
you know, all three starters were, were excellent. Um, I think, let's see, just off the top of my head, I think, I think all starters went, went at least six innings, if not six in a fraction. Uh, Trey Savage, Carter Spivey, and then Josh Groves. Um, East Carolina pitching, and this, and this is starters, bullpen, everything. 34 strikeouts, eight walks, and one hit batter. Liberty pitching, 26 strikeouts, 34 walks, and, and four hit batters. 34 and walks. They issued nine free passes in three games. They issued 38 free passes. I mean, that was. I mean, I would have lost a ton of money. I mean, and I'm sure a lot of a lot of other folks would have too, including Coach Godwin and staff. Like coming in through 12 games, Liberty was seven and five. They had three of those losses were to Southern Miss, right? Yeah, and three were at at Southern Miss. So they had 48 walks in 12 games, and then they walked 34 Pirates in three games. <laughs> Yeah, we they, they we did a good job watching the baseball um, and getting on base. That that's a uh, thirty four walks. That's horrible. You're not going to win any ball games doing that, no. and that's not something they have been doing. I, and, I never re- recall something like that. All the pirate baseball I've seen, I'm trying to think back if I've ever recalled thirty four walks in a three game series. Oh, I'm sure it's happened. All the baseball we've ever played, uh, but it, it's it's not it comes to mind in recent history. Um, but it was a uh, Great performance, great eye by our by our batters, and uh, that right there going forward. You know, you talk about game film a lot in football, but obviously it's used in baseball. That going forward, that performance against us, that will be used against them uh, for future opponents to be patient at the plate. Um, that we, we we may have uh, quote unquote exposed Liberty this weekend. And honestly, coming in, I, I thought we would probably win the series, but. I felt Not like, like it, I felt like, I mean, it's tough to just Bob, let me ask body. you a question. I know you're talking, I don't mean to cut you off, but I think you'll like this question. Do you think that is something Cliff saw on film and the coaching staff, even though they weren't walking a lot of people, that they had the tendency to do that if you were patient? Uh, or do you think it's something that just happened during the course of the weekend, watching the way they were pitching? Even though they hadn't been anywhere to, you know, to that degree, as, as far as walk, as far as walking folks, um, I do think that. Uh, I'm that strategy. I do think that uh, you know that's a good point because uh, on the broadcast on, on uh, Friday, the the starter, his name escapes me at the moment um, for Liberty, and it was let's see, Garrett Horn, the lefty, uh, Horn. They said and had struggle with his command at times. So, and that was something you saw um, in four innings. He walked four. Then Cole Garrett, the reliever, and then just an inning and a third walked four. And then the next reliever in an inning and two thirds walked three. Yeah, so it was probably yeah. something Cliff and and uh, and you know all the coaching staff saw on paper, and, saw on paper, saw on video, and uh, exploited it. And like I said. Um, we may have exposed Liberty. Um, they're going to have to correct that going forward. And, and you know, I, some guys. It seems, sounds like it's a staff issue. It's not just one pitcher. And like Craig said, um, this is why I honestly felt like I knew we could sweep, but I, I thought we'd probably win two out of three. Um, That's and, what I thought. And, and, and Craig said, 
Liberty is picked to win their conference, and they are no slouch, no doubt, Craig. And, and it's, a, it's a program that you know, has typically made the NCAA tournament over uh, the last several years, you know, under the current regime and going back to the previous one. Yeah, and moving to Conference USA next year, which um, even though that'll be a wacky-do Conference USA, I mean, what a weird league, but it'll be a better baseball league. Dallas Baptist is joining Conference USA in baseball only. So uh, it'll be interesting to see Liberty having a tougher conference going forward for baseball. Yeah, and Liberty, by the way, guys, uh, just like Craig was saying, we were talking about great teams make you look bad, and I I think that East Carolina – is a top 10 program and that's that's why they are a top 10 program is because of just what we're seeing with this team with pitching with the, the hitting is you know with uh josh moreland he was a guy i was telling you guys way before um even the media day in january that he to me was our x factor he's starting to really his bat starting to heat up Amac is hitting home runs apparently in games we don't even know he's hitting home runs. In. Uh, just kidding, Kyle. But it's just for me, I, apparently, like, apparently you're right. <laughs> in all seriousness, uh, uh, Amac does lead the club with five home runs. There you go. Amac is one of those clutch. He's another one, just like with um, just like uh, with Hoover. Those two guys have won a lot of baseball with East Carolina. You have nothing. I know uh, Norm said nothing to worry about he's right the iron man lane hoover hoover is is fine same thing with amac i think if uh we, i think if coach godwin he is a head coach if he were really worried um those guys would not be getting uh serious playing time on or off you know like uh with a uh, hitting or uh with uh fielding as well in the defense but in the field but <clears throat> hey um those guys are going to be just fine and th- that's the thing is we're we're just in March, right? Like Bubba, I mean, we've only been playing just over a month, right at a month now. So long ways to go and hopefully um, keep everybody healthy. <clears throat> bottom line, we're, yeah. we're what, 12 and 3? Yeah. So, I mean, even with some guys struggling um, at the plate uh, with the Hoover, we're still 12, fact, we're 12 and 3. So, in fact, Richard has it. Go ahead. Yeah, they- the most walks in a in a game. I don't. I don't know. I'll see if I can find a series. I don't think that's listed. It's just game or season. But um, in a game, we we tied that this weekend. And that is it's fifteen walks. And the um, the last time or the only time it had been done was against North Carolina Central back in the Billy Godwin era in wow. March twenty third of twenty ten. Wow. And um, that's what was the case in Game Three, uh, as as Liberty walked fifteen Pirates, <clears throat> and meanwhile we were striking out uh, nineteen Flames. We, they they literally ran out of caves in the jungle. I was going to say that was one of my comments that. to me, is that's a good problem to have is our good friends in the jungle, and we have a lot of them. Welcome to the jungle when you have the fact that you can't even, you don't have any more K's anymore. I don't even, that's something that doesn't happen, obviously, every day. So buy our, some more K's. That's right. Where can you get some more K's? Magic marker and poster board. <laughs> I don't, I don't even know what is the, what are the signs even? I don't even know what they're made Yeah, they're, they're high quality. They're, they're wood. Um, Okay. With, 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 with the K painted on. 
wood and paint. But you could do you could do poster poster board and a sharpie. It would work. Yeah, if if it were in a pinch as a backup, right? Yeah. Uh, just for that. By the way, uh, Mike Trout hit a three-one bomb, and the um, World Base Baseball Classic. If you're watching live, it's nine to nothing, two outs in the first. Team USA. Thank you, Craig. I'm ashamed I haven't been watching that like I should. Um, it's just one of those things. There's so much going on. You know, we we do have a life outside of our show, and we have kids and and family. Families and all that kind you're, of stuff. You're ashamed so. that you haven't been watching. It? <laughs> yeah, I do like I do like the, the that I've just I haven't watched well, this. I'll, I'll I'll go ahead and, and say you know, Dave's okay. You shouldn't be ashamed. It's all right. Okay, I should watch it, but I haven't. Well, I got well, you got you know what, right? Damn, you're, you're right. You son of a bitch. You you you're <laughs> not watching the World Baseball Classic. How dare you? You sh- you should be ashamed. Go go stand in the corner. Put your nose up against the wall. Okay, I'm going to timeout now. All right. You guys continue. Uh, we have some comments too to to get to when we have a chance, Bubba. Uh, yeah, I, I was going to go back to our Facebook and YouTube comments momentarily, but uh, taking a look at uh, the game one, which the Pirates won seven to two. That game pretty much unfolded very, uh, very much like what I I thought this series would be. Unlike games two and three, um, Liberty. Grabbed the one nothing lead in the second. Then the Pirates tied it up the following inning. Then it, and then, and, uh, then we took a two one lead in the fourth. And then it, we had a two two ball game going into the sixth. So uh, that was, although a seven to two final, was a very competitive game. And uh, we we did what we needed to do late you know, to to get the lead and then extend the lead. Uh, for the 7-2 final, uh, you had big hits by Josh Moreland. Excuse me, a, a RBI walk by Josh Moreland, then big hits by J-Dub, Justin Wilcoxon, Luke Nowak, and then and then J-Dub uh, got a double down the right field line. So it was, not, it was nice to see Justin Wilcoxon you know, swinging the bat well, and, and the Pirates finished the game with, with nine hits. Seven runs on nine hits and then two on ten um, for the Liberty Flames. And then uh, excellent start by Treya Savage, improved to 2-0. and Two runs, both earned on six hits and six innings of work, six strikeouts and a walk uh, on 104 pitches. And then you had uh, Wyatt lunsford Sheikman, who I talked about having pitched so well in that uh, victory over Queens where he had three shutout, hitless innings of relief. Um, Wyatt earned the save. Uh, he did surrender four hits, but he had some excellent defensive plays behind him, one of which was Jacob Jenkins Coward. Uh, JJC fielded a ball that was hit down the right field line and pivoted and just threw a strike on on one hop to second base, and the base runner was literally out by probably 12 to 15 feet. And... Um, but anyway, uh, Wyatt Lunsford Sheikman, three shutout innings despite allowing four hits and um, another solid outing for him. In and out, good performance. And uh, you know, going back to some of the comments, you had, let's see, Richard Allsbrook. You guys talked about the Pirates being 12 and 3. He said, 
and we'll talk more about the league in a little bit probably, but he said American teams, overall standings, only three teams above 500, East Carolina, obviously, and then UCF at 10-5 and five, and Wichita State at 8-7. and seven. And then Johnny Robertson said the Pirate pitchers did not allow a run in the 7th, 8th, ninth or 10th innings during their 5-0 week. So, and, uh, and defensively, we're very sharp as well. I think had either one or, one or two errors in the five games. And uh, let's see, there was another comment here. I think maybe you had gone to that, Dave, but uh, on YouTube, yes, okay. Lane Hoover's the Iron Man. He'll be back, nothing to worry about, no doubt. And uh, you know, mo moving on to game two, if you guys don't have anything else about game one, uh, obviously. Yeah, go ahead about the home run. Yeah, there was just supposed to be a single game on Saturday, but then it was a late decision to – and that's a whole other story uh, that we won't get into as far as the timing of the decision to, to play the doubleheader. I'm sure they were trying to avoid a doubleheader at all costs and waited it out uh, too long to, to be able to move the game time of the first game. So the doubleheader – game one of the doubleheaders started at four rather than, rather than two or something like that. And um, but you know, Carter Spivey, excellent start. And Carter Carter came out on his longest outing of the year, and and then um, the bats, uh, Amac, four for four, two home runs, and Coach Godwin, he laughed in the post game, just saying that you know Amac. You know, he, had, he hadn't been hitting right-handed this year. Um, he worked at it some, but had a wrist injury. Injury, um, So he took a little BP, maybe, um, or at least the previous day. And he had hit right-handed, had some, had some pain in the wrist, and was going to just hit left-handed. But then he saw the way the wind was blowing from, from right to left. And, and then, um, like Tom said, maybe one of them was – actually hit into the wind but uh, it was a it was a cross wind coming from from center to to left field foul pole um, from what i recall seeing the flags but uh, tremendous game be best game of the week um by amac four for four with the two bombs yeah great performance we hit two home runs from the game we hit two home runs in the game hitting from the opposite side of the plate. I mean, that's surprising and impressive and uh, had a good week overall, but obviously that Saturday game was his best game of the week. Also in game one of the doubleheader had multi-hit games from JC, uh, Jacob Jenkins Coward, two for five with an RBI. And then Josh Moreland, two for five uh, with two runs scored and two RBI. And, uh, and Josh Moreland, uh, he had a heck of a week, um, had a hit, if not more than one in each of the five games. His hit streak is now up to eight games, uh, eight of 19. And uh, as one of our viewers, maybe it was maybe it was Shell, but one of our viewers mentioned earlier that he was the AAC Player of the Week, and he's also the PGXGloves.com Player of the Week. Again, eight of 19, two doubles, 
seven runs batted in and um, and riding that eight-game hit streak going into Tuesday night's game down at UNC Wilmington. Yeah, uh, very deserving uh, for uh, Josh winning Conference Player of the Week and even more prestigious, the PGX Club's Sports Objective Player of the Week. That's right. It's very prestigious. Indeed. But as far as Josh Moreland, you know, after the struggle that was 2022, um, had some big hits like the home run against UVA in the regional. But on the whole, um, it was well documented, uh, his struggles. But you know, hats off to Josh and all the work he put in, both uh, whether it's in the cage or um, like he – readily admitted um, you know, and talked about and, um, there at ECU Baseball Media Day, um, you know, working with a sports psychologist um, to get his approach right and get him to appreciate coming out of the field and, and taking more of a get-to mindset rather than have to and um, keeping, keeping his shortcomings or failures in perspective. And uh, it's, it's really paid off for him thus far through – through 15 games, Josh Moreland is, is hitting 327 right there near the top of the team. I tell you what, that shot, that was a jumble jack if I've ever seen one. Uh, that was a Saturday night regional. Now, I told that story, but we literally were running behind and trying to find a place out in the jungle. And my, my daughter, Mackenzie, was just like in awe when she saw the ball literally was flying over her head as we're trying to find a place in the jungle. And uh, it was nice to see a drunk there trying to, you know, climb back over, climbed over the practice field, uh, the fence to the practice field, got the ball. And then I explained to the kids why you should not be doing that even with or without alcohol involved. So well, he got the ball. He did get the ball. I'm sure he got it the next day. Yeah. He got that Moylan, that Moylan home run. So, yeah, that ball. I'd have probably jumped the fence too. There you go. <laughs> yeah, but Bubba, this guy was like in better shape to be jumping. He probably would do it with ease, but this guy was not. Uh, he should have never done it in the start. But anyway. Did he succeed? He did get it, and he fell back he, over the fence. Did he get hurt? He I'm, I don't think. I think his uh, alcohol intake helped him where he didn't feel it. it well, I'll call it, a, I'll call it a successful drunk move. And, okay. uh Give him three stars. And that really is um, not the, the shortest of fences there. Um, no, it's anybody that's it's been like out seven, there. Eight foot uh, tall. And, I mean, yeah. you would expect it. I mean, obviously, you expect it to be a pretty tall fence, but um, it's, it's even taller than probably a lot of folks realize when you're standing right there. I was like, because I've said the same to myself when I've been walking in the right field jungle. I was like, I didn't recall this fence being quite so tall. Well, Dave thinks yep. you could high jump it, Bubba. Could you high jump it? I didn't no, say high no. jump it. No, I think yes. you can. I think you can clear it. Shoot, if I, yeah, if I could, if I could do that, I'll be in the Olympics and and winning the gold. But uh, well, I, homie should have been in the drunk Olympics. That'd be pretty cool. Well, uh, go ahead, Mike Bradford joining us and Alan Vick. What's up to you guys? Joining us here tonight. But I talked about Carter Spivey having an excellent start. 
Talked talk to Alan Vick earlier today about Dr. D, uh, David Schultz. Oh, you did? I did. Well, cool. But um, Carter Spivey, six innings, two runs, only one of which was earned on seven hits, four strikeouts, and a walk on 92 pitches. So great to see Carter have his longest outing of the year. And as I mentioned, all, all three weekend starters went at least six innings, or if not six in a fraction, um, against Liberty. Uh, Eric Ritchie, two shutout innings, and then Jaden Winter uh, came in and um, worked a hitless and scoreless inning of relief, striking out two uh, Liberty batters. So, all in all, uh, a very solid all-around performance in in game two, and um, was interested to see after winning in such convincing fashion. I never would have thought. Uh, Although I did think we had the edge, uh, like Thomas, Tom Earnhardt and I had mentioned, and, uh, mentioned to each other and discussed early on Saturday, just because of our pitching depth, kind of like what Mike Radford was referencing there, uh, with our depth not only on the mound but at other positions as well. But uh, I thought, even though I liked our chances of winning game three, I never would have thought that we would – jump on them the way we did and um, just simply, simply never be never be pushed. Um, but if you'd have told me at the same time that they were going to walk, that the starter was going to go three innings and walk six people, then, yeah, I probably would have believed it. Yeah, that, that was just really cool. Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with us blowing them out is, is, is the um, perceived film study of them uh, not having good control and walking people, even though they had put up those kinds of numbers. And I think we probably got in their head quite a bit uh, with all the walks we were uh, producing. Hey, uh, by the way, uh, Alan Vick wants to know to you, Kyle. He says, hey, Kyle, do you think it's fake? Is this fake? Whap? Is this fake? It's up hand slap. It's fake? You call this fake? <laughs> Dr. D. David Schultz. Great. Uh, what was his name? I, the damn reporter for ABC. Yes, John Stossel. Thank you. Yes, one, one, of the, one of the greatest moments in television history when he just slaps him on his ass. It's beautiful. Yeah, that was on. A, yeah, that I was watching that episode that Friday night. I'll never forget that. And uh, being a huge wrestling fan, I was so excited that 2020 was going to have on a wrestler, and I had no idea that was going to happen. But uh, was, the, the, the whole thing was to try to. You know, everybody knew it was staged, but at the time, nobody was admitting it in the 80s. And the right. whole thing was to try to embarrass wrestlers yeah. and, and all that. And, and David Schultz, yeah, and David Schultz won about that. And David Schultz uh, showed smart-ass John Stossel uh, what was what now. It cost Vince McMahon millions of dollars. It cost, it cost yep. David Schultz's career. The only place it would hire him after that was Memphis. And he worked Memphis for a few years and uh, then he became a bounty he became a bounty hunter, Dave, after that. He he actually, yep. Southern David Schultz was a yep. bounty hunter in the New York City area for about 10 years after that. And uh, he uh, he's a legitimate badass. He's a, one of the guys, and he was about to work a program with Hogan when that happened. Yeah. Um, that's the shame of it. I mean, he was really getting used. And if you and I know we're getting off subject, but if you go back and watch some old David Schultz pr- promos, um, really Stone, Stone Cold Steve Austin claims 
he never saw David Schultz in his prime. But man, I'm telling you, when you watch some old Dave Schultz promos, you you, you just you just see some Steve Austin influence. And I, I know Austin says he never saw David Schultz until after the fact. Um, and I, I don't see why Austin would lie about it. But man, there's some similarities. He was very good at cutting promos and no very question. believable. Yeah, and he couldn't keep his job with the WWE at that time, right after. No, and that's nobody it. else would hire him. The only other place that would hire him was Memphis. And he worked there a few years and, like I said, became a bounty hunter. No doubt. Uh, speaking of badasses, let's talk about our great pirate baseball program. A lot of badasses on the team, right? Yeah, no doubt. In, In fact, I hear we're considering changing our mascot to the badasses. <laughs> Hashtag the badasses. That's, hey, hey, if you want a great theme and great T-shirts, just make those, Bubba. The Pirate baseball, we're badasses. <laughs> well, something that was uh, continuing on with game three, uh, Luke Nowak, uh, he he had um, five trips to the plate without having an official at bat. So, so uh, five walks for Luke. Well, he's not living up to his name of Nowak. <laughs> Well, some people don't know how to pronounce it, so they wouldn't know the joke, right? Yeah. Nowak. I've heard it. It's no yeah. walk. For the members of the media, please, no walk. Can you yeah. say that a few more times? No walk. Sorry, I, brother. Yeah, I was trying to, I was seeking clarification myself. It seems like I've heard no walk the most, but it seems like here recently, and I may have even heard Coach Godwin say no walk. So I. There's a place it's, in uh there's a place one in of those kind of like Raja 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 Gerard Gerard. There's a place down in Myrtle in North Myrtle, I believe it's in North Myrtle, called Walk on the Beach. It's a Chinese restaurant. Any good? I've never been there. I've just always liked the name Walk on the Beach. I mean, come on, that's great. But um. Uh, Kind of another interesting stat um, that I heard. I'll give credit to uh, to the broadcast team for this one. And um, Pirates scored 13 runs in in Game Three of the series. And uh, at, least, at least, let's see. Yeah, w- without an extra base hit. Without an extra base hit. Uh, I, I was just looking to see if maybe we had had one after we had scored our runs, uh, but not, you know, we did not have an extra base hit in the game. So that, that just shows you with those 15 walks and combined with, what, 10 singles. Walking people will lose you a lot of baseball games. You, when you're given free passes, I mean, you're just – you're not going to win baseball games doing that. And, no, no, you're not. No. Go ahead, Bubba. Right well, if neither one of you is going to go ahead. It, 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 mean, <laughs> meanwhile, Josh um, Josh Groves, um, Josh Groves um, was six innings, just one run. It was earned on two hits, 11 strikeouts. So 11 of his 18 outs he recorded uh, were via the K. And uh, he did walk four uh, once again. So that's something that he would like to uh, – Decrease, but all in all, uh, another heck of a performance by Josh Groves as he improved to two and zero. Uh, and you know, I, we had some indecision. You know, really, 
you know, some some uh, mixed feelings here um, and indecisiveness, I guess you could say. Um, a couple of us were kind of in favor of Josh Gross being pitcher of the week, and and then really, and, you know, he was on the honorable mention list, I think, nationally, as well as for the conference. And then you also had the performance of Wyatt Lungsford Sheikman. Two appearances, earned the win against Queens, the save against Liberty, did not allow a run in those six innings, four hits, three strikeouts, and did not issue a free pass. So uh, you could not go wrong either way. Excellent performances by not only Gross and Lumsford Cheekman, um, Spivey, Savage, as well as some of the other Pirate relievers, and were spot, spot on against the Flames as well as against the Phoenix and uh, Royal. Hey, by the way, Bubba, let's put it out there because we are all amongst the people. We're not like literally we're not talking heads. What do you guys think about uh, who do you want to be the pitcher of the week, the PGX pitcher of the week? Right now it's a tie, but who wants to be the tiebreaker and uh, between those two great yeah, pitchers? We're, we're asking the listeners here. So uh, uh, who's yeah. your opinion? Send us your, send us your thoughts in the comment section on YouTube and Facebook. Josh Groves or Wyatt Lunsford Chinkman. Or, uh, or do they have to split their prize? Yeah, so there, there are your two options: Wyatt Lunsford Shinkman, again, six shutout innings, where he did not issue a free pass, earning a win and a save, and then Josh Groves, earning his second win of the season, now two and zero with eleven strikeouts in six innings of work, allowing just that one run. And then uh, Norm on YouTube says Josh Gross, and that and that and that's what that's what most folks would say. If not for anything else, you know, the, the eleven Ks and in, yeah. in eighteen outs is extremely impressive. I mean, he was lights out. I mean, he we know he has good stuff, but wow, he was lights out. I I, I really would be. <laughs> Leave it to Craig. He said each one gets one glove for pgxgloves.com. There you uh, go. They have to share one glove. They'll be like Michael Jackson. Remember that back in the day with one glove? <laughs> yeah, I remember the Michael Jackson one glove days. He was bad. Oh, and that was bad. <laughs> yes, indeed it was. But some, some other notable performances uh, very quickly before we talk about what we have coming up in another five-game week. Dave, wait, wait, hold on, Bubba. Dave, that remember that reminds me of my favorite question from the other night pre-show. What's that? Which was I'm not. I'm not saying it on the air. You'll you, you'll come to you. Okay. Uh, Go ahead, Bubba. But uh, obviously, Josh Moreland, um, as I mentioned, was our PJXGloves.com Player of the Week. A Mac, uh, a close uh, runner up uh, with with six for twenty. He did have three hitless games, but he had the big game-tying hit against Queens. Also had another hit in the 10th inning uh, when the Pirates put up three to win it and then had the four for four, two home runs, three RBI games, um, you know, turning around and hitting from the right side for just the second time this year uh, on Friday and Saturday nights uh, with, with the double, with the two home run game coming in uh, game one of the doubleheader. And um, made some tremendous plays at third base uh, against Queens. 
as well as uh, other times throughout the week. Uh, you, you also had um, ex- excellent performance by Riley Johnson, six out of ten. Um, some of those in, in a starting role, some in a, in a pitch hit and a late-inning defensive replacement role. Um, he had the unbelievable catch in center field um, where he got hurt against Liberty and then also against against Elon. And then going back, and I'd like to see um, if it was perhaps the same shoulder that he had landed on, even though he didn't show any signs of being hurt against Elon when he dove over the catcher. And it looked like he may have uh, been safe, but they say he got tagged on the leg uh, there against the Phoenix. And then um, you also had JC had a decent week, uh, six out of 20 and with a pair of doubles and uh, four runs batted in. Also, I mentioned had the, the play where he uh, threw out the Liberty runner going to second, although the game was well in hand at that point. And then, uh, and then Joey Barini. How about Joey Barini? Um, seeing the yes, production, seeing the production we've seen from Joey at the sh- at the shortstop um, spot in the lineup. <clears throat> Think about this. I mean, last year we we really got that the second half of the year, the final two thirds of the year with Zach Agnos. How about Joey Barini? He's he's got hits in eleven of our thirteen games. Uh, um, or excuse me, 11 of his 13 games. He did not play in two games. So, And then multi-hit games in at least two or three of those 11. And he he was six out of 20 on the week with the double and a home run. So not only hitting it well, but uh, with a little power as well. Good old Norm was saying that Eli Catcher still hasn't tagged Riley Johnson. That was that was incredible, guys. I, I still didn't see the tag. I agree with Norm. Norm. I didn't see the play. That game. I didn't watch that game. Did y'all watch oh the, the, the play and play? No, he but I saw the – they put it on the ECU baseball Twitter account. Gotcha. Yeah, it was – that was an incredible play. He jumped over the catcher, and it looked like he touched – he touched the uh, plate before he was – or the, there was a missed tag, and then he touched the uh, plate. But – it's it's still hard to that one's still a hard one to like unless you were really really close that was that one could have gone either way so I remember Scooter being pretty adamant that he was safe I thought he was safe but you know I guess I'm biased what do you think Bubba Dave you biased against officials of the East Carolina game never yeah they they thought that he may have gotten in there and if nothing else um, it was Impressive display of athleticism and uh, Stephen Shock, a former University of Virginia pitcher who's with D1 Baseball. I know he was talking about it, uh, I guess it was Saturday night or Sunday, um, the combination of that play as well as the catch he made in center field, just saying that, that Riley Johnson has uh, no regard for his body, that he'll sacrifice his body to uh, do whatever he needs to do. That center field catch was was uh, was a great catch, but man, you hate to see him bang his shoulder like that. But uh, hopefully he's all right. No question. And by the way, um, Bubba Richard Allsbrook wants to mention about the American teams. So we only have three teams right now. It's crazy as he's talked about 
to have a better record than 500 right now. Yeah, we talked about that already. Yeah, he was he was mentioning that. But that that's uh that means that's another reason. By the way, the point I was going to make on that was the fact that we're really going to have to uh, dominate. Well, we usually dominate, but we're really this year going to have to dominate um, to help us for a national seed, right, guys? For number the number eight. Well, the good thing is our non-conference schedule strong, um, and yeah. typically the American plays a top a tough non-conference schedule. So I don't I haven't looked at the RPIs for those teams. Their records aren't good, but most of the time they play most of the teams just because of where they're located: South Florida, Central Florida, so on and so forth. Most of the teams are located in the South, Houston, Tulane. So typically they play good opponents non-conference. So yeah, we do need to dominate regardless if we're trying to if we're trying to get to host a regional and get another national seed. But uh, it looks like you never know once conference play rolls around. But it looks like it's a it's a two two team race between us and UCF. But you know who knows once conference play rolls around, things can change. It's March, so it's still early. You know, Cincinnati seems to always play good in conference and shitty out of conference for whatever reason. Taking a look at the, taking a look at the upcoming schedule, um, Pirates Tuesday, um, so. Tomorrow, if you're listening and watching this live, um, down at UNT Wilmington Brooksfield, six o'clock first pitch against the Seahawks should be a, a good atmosphere. The war on the shore. And then, is it uh, just me, or has that rivalry lost a little bit of its heat? Not only in baseball, but in basketball too. I think it's primarily in basketball. I think in baseball, yeah. in baseball, you know, we're still playing. Uh, home and home annually, so uh, I don't know. It just doesn't seem as maybe it's because Wilmington's not as good as they used to be. It just doesn't seem to be as intense as it was. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I'm sure they'll be trying their best to beat us tomorrow night. Yeah, I, th- I just I think back to uh, I guess it was what 2018 when they uh, when, good point. when they eliminated good point. <laughs> good point. Yeah. I guess that uh, that is recent enough history for the rivalry to still be uh, still be uh, pretty pretty hot. But uh, and then the and then on Wednesday, five o'clock first pitch against the Tribe of William and Mary, and then this weekend you have Missouri State coming in, uh, six o'clock, four o'clock, and one o'clock on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You um, going back to UNC Wilmington, the Seahawks are nine and seven thus far. And um, in the midweek, just out of curiosity, I, I checked, and uh, they have lost or split a pair of competitive games, uh, losing at Wake Forest eight to six, and then beating Charlotte and Kannapolis eleven to nine, and then taking a look at William and Mary. Um, I think the Tribe—they're coming in with an eight and eight record, and then uh, Missouri State. Um, that, that's a typically strong program, and uh, they're coming in, or at least coming into the week, and they had a nine and five record. Uh, they will be playing a pair of midweek games, a home and home series with Southeast Missouri State, and um, so hopefully they'll take care of business in those games and be coming in with an eleven and five record on their best opponent. 
to date. So at least I would at least I would guess, even though they don't have a good record, is probably Cal Poly. And Cal Poly's um, two of their three wins came against Missouri State, but they've played an extremely challenging schedule that included the likes of a four games against Oregon State, wow. Cal, UConn. Uh, so don't let their three and ten record fool you. Um, they um, took two out of three from Missouri State, beat, beating them fifteen to five and twelve to five in games one and three. And Missouri State won the middle game, fifteen to four, and that was uh, played out in California, as you would guess. Missouri State's got a great program. Plays in Missouri Valley Conference. They've been through the College World Series. They've they've they, they they were really good at one point, and I mean they're still solid now. So uh, no slouch. I think most Pirate fans know that. Most Pirate fans are very college baseball knowledgeable. So uh, no slouch coming in with uh, Missouri State. Oh, by the way, guys, I wanted to mention something. I'm glad you said that, um, Kyle. This was on um, Pirate Radio today. They had Josh Moylan on. He said the reason why he made a decision. His, you understand where I'm going. This a second. His uh, his high school coach. His brothers. His brother is Jeff Palumbo. Um, but he said the reason why he made the decision to come here was it was a baseball school. How about that? I've never heard anybody call it a baseball school. Hey, I've heard that. I've heard. I've heard it being called a baseball school. I, I think. Um, you know, I, I think you you really can't be a baseball school unless you're Dallas Baptist, and that's the only Division One sport you play. I think we're you know we're a football school, but uh, baseball is does certainly, as Kim McNeil said. Um, very, very, very poignantly uh, when she was in the booth uh, Saturday that Pirate Baseball sets the standard and every every other program is measured against it. And and she said, you know, they that's Pirate football. Uh, women's basketball goal is to live up to the standard Cliff Godwin setting with Pirate Baseball. And uh, so from that aspect, yeah, we're a football school, but the standard of success is set by baseball. And baseball's had, I mean, is solid every single. I yeah, mean, I mean, yeah, except for maybe uh, seventeen. Pretty much yeah, every single. Well, I mean, season. we've had what one losing season or two losing seasons ever. I mean, so that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. So, but I just thought that was kind of. I always hear it called a football school. I've never heard it called a baseball school. To me, to get all tracked there, Bubba. But it was just. Uh, they caught me. I, I mean, I guess for the fact of the all the regional super regionals and we're so close to omaha and you could be that kid on the one the, the one piece that's missing to go to omaha you know we're reloading every single year yeah baseball is very important here if you want to come play at a place where baseball is important come to east carolina you know you you can look at the success unc has had nc state etc but baseball isn't as important there as it is here either one of those places despite their success you know, Wake Forest right now, Duke in recent history. You know, if you want to come to a place where baseball is important, where there is an, an SEC, where there's an SEC environment, where yes. they're all football schools, but baseball in many of them is the next most important sport. LSU, Mississippi State, for example, uh, you come play at East Carolina. Miss. Yeah, you, you come play at ECU. Yeah, and that's coming from uh, unbiased residents of the state of North Carolina, you know, who who attended. Um, the you know, the regional or at least the super regional last year, and who made a comment to me and like they were just I mean, they knew we had a good atmosphere and that we loved our baseball, but 
they just cannot get over at noon on a Friday, even though it's a super regional, just how loud that crowd was and the, the purple gold cheer, uh, and which is what I use for the intro to our show. Um, you had right at 6,000, just shy of 6,000 people, and it sounded like 60,000. Well, it's the one By the way, there was more than 5,800 in, uh, in that crowd that day. In fact, some people told me that it was like close, it was really like 7,500. In fact, um, not to out anyone, <laughs> out anybody personally, but basically people were giving other people tickets and walking out, handing it back to them. And so they were sneaking people in left and right. There was so many well, people. Well, the scanners weren't working. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's ridiculous. But I um, I guess it really don't matter. Once it's sold out, it's sold out. So if they're getting extra people in, they're just buying more concessions. Exactly. Um, exactly. It's not like they're it's hurting the program. Right. So I uh you know, I think in baseball it's the one sport where we legitimately feel like we can win a national championship. In football, yep. because of the system, it makes it impossible. Basketball's had such little success and then all the other Olympic sports, you know, people don't follow them as closely. So baseball is the one sport where we feel like we can legitimately win a national championship someday, and uh, and we did in like nineteen. What was that? Nineteen sixty one. Yeah, in I, NAIA. Yeah, yeah, not in modern era, but yeah, and I mean, and that's still special, and it's still a great accomplishment, and you know, and I, I think that you know, kind of laid the groundwork for you know the success we're still having today. And uh, speaking of that, NAIA national champion team. Um, Obviously, lost Earl Boykin uh, last year, uh, who was who was a part of that. And then uh, you also have Dennis Barber, who's from that era. And Dennis still, I mean, not only does he make most, if not all, the home games, and he was at, in Kannapolis and then also at Elon the next day last week. So um, – my dad um, talked to Dennis, and he'd love to come on the show, and we'll share some memories uh, of that uh, national championship team from our NAI days back in the early 60s. My cousin, Dennis Barber, is a professor at East Carolina, oddly enough. But, uh, there you go. Look forward to that. And uh, Do you guys have anything else before we, before we wrap it up? Yeah, I just want to give a shout out to make sure you go and subscribe to our YouTube channel. I know we're talking Pirate Baseball. You mentioned Kim McNeil. What a great, I want to give a shout out to our administration. Guys, they had Parker's Barbecue last night at the selection show for the NCAA Women's Tournament. It was uh, it was a class, it, it was just first class event, um, rock solid. There were so many people there. I was really happy to be women's basketball, you know, and the fact that the third time in school history, fourth time ever to win a conference tournament um, ever and um, just a real great atmosphere. So congratulations to Kim McNeil. They're going to be playing, by the way, on Saturday night at 10 p.m. on ESPN. So those of you that make that programming note. Um, also, uh, another thing quick, quickly, Bubba, is on Thursday night. I know Wednesday night we have the game um, <clears throat> baseball, but we also have on Thursday night uh, the first is at 100 people, Bubba, at the softball. I'm going to go to the softball game, but the first yeah, we have people. It's, it's the EC shirt night. Yeah, it's Notre Dame. Notre Dame's coming to Interlock EC logo. 
Yeah, I've got. I'm going. It's Notre Dame. I mean, I will be cheering extra. What is it about Notre Dame? I mean, I love the movie Rudy, but every like everything is like so overrated with Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Um, I don't know how their softball is. Bubba, forgive me for not knowing, but I'm gonna go and be cheering really, really loud for the Lady Pirates. Yeah. Notre Dame fighting Irish. Yeah. Uh, if you want to do a bye game, John Gilbert, uh, do do at Notre Dame. That that is one I would love to. I'd love. To oh see. my God, that's a bucket list. Absolutely. Um, so anyway, that's going to be on Thursday night at five o'clock, and love to get a lot of uh, pirate fans out there and have uh, Shane Winkler, Bubba. You did a great job on that. If you guys haven't heard, uh, Bubba did a great job. One on one. Henry Winkler's third cousin, by the way. Yeah, the Fonz. Yeah, true. Um, and but and by the way, we're having happy days. That what, what's the record now for softball, Bubba? Oh my gosh, we are like rolling right we're, now in softball. We're eighteen and six, and uh, I want to say Notre Dame is something like thirteen and seven, and they've had some uh, some quality wins. Um, I think this would probably be our best one of the year if we're if we're able to to get it done on Thursday night. But um, I think. Most recently, I want to say they they took two out of three from NC State. If it wasn't uh, their most recent series, uh, it was uh, one one of the last couple weekends. They they took two out of three from NC State. And, and, uh, it, it was they they run ruled state and state run ruled them in the game that uh, Notre Dame lost. Clemson wow. Power Softball back to having success. It was uh, one of our most successful programs for years and fell on hard times. So glad to see Coach Winkler which on paper when Gilbert made the hire, I believe it was at GW, I thought it was a good hire on paper, and it appears that it's working out that way. It's It's been going great. And, uh, and man, and, uh, how about uh, lacrosse, 6-1 right now, right, Bubba? The best – is it 6-1? It's the best start in school history, or is it 7-1? I believe we actually uh, won a game and to, to get the seven and one. Uh, seven and one. Okay. Confirming that right now. Yes, we're seven seven and one with the most recent win, sixteen to eleven at Elon yesterday afternoon. That's right. I forgot so, about that. They, so they, were returned, they were returned to action on Saturday, one o'clock at Old Dominion. And and, and then the next home game is Wednesday the twenty second, uh, when when Duke comes to Johnson Stadium. So uh Awesome opportunity there. And so I get out to Johnson Stadium a week from Wednesday. We're going to try to have Coach Moore on um, very soon. And, by the way, um, we're going to get Coach, our friend, Kim McNeil. We'll try to get her on very soon. We talked to Cole last night, uh, Cole Barnhill's SID. In fact, he was happy to hear our voices, Bub, after the post-game press conference of the championship. He said it was great to hear familiar voices and uh, great to be able to share that moment. Uh, there, the post-game press conference with Ken McNeil. So that was awesome. All right. Uh, we'll remind everybody that we're for extra innings is presented by Next Level Training Center. In fact, uh, you can go to Next Level Training Center at nextleveltc.com. Call them 252-756-NEXT. Got a chance to speak to Trent. He was at the, by the way, guys, Trent, a baseball guy, he was there last night at the selection show. So um, a lot of great pirates there last night. It was good, so good to see him. I hadn't seen him in a while, um, but appreciate Trent and appreciate he and Gaynell's support of the program. And I know, hey, Kyle, we were talking about PGX Gloves. You're the man when it comes to PGXGloves.com. Yeah, PGXGloves.com. Uh, go there and get yourself some gloves. It's baseball season, softball season. Get yourself some batting gloves for your kids. 
maybe you're getting ready to get your golf game going for the spring, get yourself some new golf gloves. They got swag. They got football gloves. They got all the, in fact, you can, you, you can contact, you, you can contact them and see if they'll make you a custom Michael Jackson glove. Uh, I don't know if they will, <laughs> but you can ask. You put in promo code ECU at checkout, save yourself 25% and uh, go get yourself some gloves. And uh, while I'm talking, I'll go ahead and get this in as uh, we're done with the sponsorship plug. Uh, March is Colon Cancer Awareness Month. So everybody out there in uh, Pirate Nation, Sports Objective listeners, uh, be conscious. Go get yourself. If you're 45 years or older, they've changed from 50 to 45. If you're 45 years of age or older, go get yourself a routine colonoscopy and uh, get screened. Um, if you're having any symptoms, do not ignore them. Go talk to the doctor and uh, get yourself screened. Colon, colon cancer is completely preventable with routine colonoscopies. I think the age requirement should be reduced even more so. I agree. Into your 30s, um, where insurance will pay for it, because I'm 42 years old and I've got it. Um, so, uh, again, Colon Cancer Awareness Month, uh, just trying to spread awareness. Um, go get yourself screened, and uh, you'll be you. At the end of the day, you'll be glad you did. The worst part is the prep. The procedure is just a nap. Oh, you're right about that. Good lord, I, I was literally at my sister's house. <laughs> I had an early morning appointment. Yeah, give details, Dave. <laughs> And just the fact, a few steps away, my friend, from the bathroom, and it was uh, it's rough. So I'm glad I don't have to worry about that for for a while. But definitely, it's good to know. <laughs> well, I had three of those sons of bitches in a two month period, Ooh. and um, the third one I had, they made me do a 48 hour prep, mm. and uh, so it was uh, not a one day prep, but I couldn't eat for two days. So uh, yeah, it was uh, it was bad. But the so, procedure yeah. itself is a breeze. Very easy. You're sedated. A very easy thing. And yep. Bubba, you need to go ahead and get it done. So that way they will have, and, and Matt too, that way all four of us will be screened. That's right. I mean, I you know, Bubba's 40, 41. So um, I, insurance probably won't pay for it without symptoms. But I'll tell you what, a little hint, hint for you. Just make up some damn symptoms and uh, your, your doctor will get you one if you want to do it before you're 45. And one other thing I failed to mention, Dave, as far as uh, content, uh, Bob Alejo, um, that was the most recent edition oh, yeah. of the uh, or of Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors. Um, he's a former Major League Baseball strength and conditioning coach with the Oakland A's. Also spent several years. Uh, and, you know, he was with Kansas. He was with Cal State Northridge. Uh, he was with uh, several other schools, NC State. Um, then he, he also served in more of an administrative role on uh, dealing with health and uh, human performance, um, student-athlete welfare and that kind of thing. Uh, he also uh, was a strength conditioning coach for the U.S. Um, volleyball team. I think it was actually a um, beach volleyball team and that, that won the gold medal. Uh, so, uh, very interesting background for Bob Alejo. Um, check that out uh, on the Sports Objective YouTube channel and our Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors playlist. How do you get that job to be the strength and conditioning coach for the women's volleyball, beach volleyball team? I mean, that's a dream job right there. He's a great dude. Obviously, he he's, he's awesome. If not, he wouldn't. And they got the gold medal too, Kyle. Yeah. No doubt. All right, uh, appreciate everybody so much. In fact, good luck to the Pirates. All our spring sports, man, and to the Lady Pirates on Saturday night. 
uh, we we wish you the best, and we'll, we'll work on getting a preview of that game. Uh, got some ideas there. Until the meantime, uh, hey, Kyle, appreciate your brother. We're pulling hard for you. Um, I know you're, you're like a heavyweight fight for you right now. One more round to go. Twelfth round. I'm done with it. Yeah, so we're pulling hard for you. Think about you every day and uh, look forward to having this stuff behind you, my friend. Bob, appreciate you, man, for everything you do behind the scenes and on air as well. We'll get out of here. Appreciate you so much. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, wish you good night. And as always, go Pirates. Hey, Pirate Nation. This is former East Carolina pitcher Davey Penny of the Keith LeClaire era, class of 2003. Keep it tuned to the sports objective as you follow our Diamond Bucks on the road to Omaha, because y'all know we're going. That concludes this week's edition of Extra Innings, presented by Next Level Training Center on the sports objective. Join us next Sunday night as we will once again talk East Carolina Pirate Baseball. Be sure to follow the show on social media, at the Sports OBJ on Twitter, at the Sports Objective on Instagram. Like and follow our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Listen to the show pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. As always, we appreciate you tuning into the show. Go Pirates!